All right. Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. We are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Yeah. And we're going to talk about first paid acquisition, kind of updates on a couple of fronts as what is it's today's you know, end of March, 2022. We are, you know, I think in my position, I'm, we were just talking about this, but you know, the, the evolution of paid acquisition after you know, Facebook's changes, you know, we're not, I wouldn't consider this like a marketing podcast. So we're, we're talking about this way late in the game, but I do feel like the, the sands or the land has shifted under our feet, uh, you know, on the internet in general around paid and around, you know, Facebook's major changes, which really cascade and ripple everywhere. Because if people are, companies are contracting their spend on Facebook, they're expanding it in other places like Google. So I don't know. Uh, I was curious to see how you feel like things have changed, or if you don't feel like they've changed? Uh, so right out of college, I used to run large campaigns for like software uh, marketing, and it was Google mostly, and then we got into Microsoft and you know Bing. Uh, that was a number of years ago now, 10 years ago. And then I, we've run it for software stuff periodically, and it's going pretty well on Google mostly. Uh, but so I have this course in DPE where I, it's like how to buy a small business, and it's all organic so far. I have a good conversion rate from the web page. I have like ha a lot of happy customers. So like the obvious thing is just throw more traffic at it. And so I engaged this agency and specifically this one guy to like buy Facebook ads. And it's just been a complete bust. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, we, no. we spent a good amount of money and it's just, so there's a couple of different issues. It's a really expensive niche to market to which I guess makes sense in retrospect that it's like people with enough money to buy a business. And that's like who you're targeting mm. where, you know, other, you know, expensive products are targeting to them. So clicks are too high and then conversion rate has just been abysmal. Um, and what is we've kind of figured out is, you know, my credibility is like why people are buying the course. And it's mostly from Twitter or this podcast or my writing, probably my writing is the biggest component. And, those people already know me. They've already got a lot of value from me. And these cold people don't know who I am. Uh, click on something, go to some guys like landing page for a three hundred dollar course, and they just uh, they you know go away basically. Like they immediately turn away. Yeah. And it's just uh, I guess this is just the reality for like high priced products that are kind of built on a personality. It's really hard to you know buy traffic to them. If you're not Ty Lopez, you're not winning. In short. You've got to be Ty Lopez if you're going to sell. A, if you're going to sell that way, right? Like, and I feel like we talked about him a long time ago. You shared a, a conversation, a podcast with him, where he was, you know, they basically admitted what it was, which is the greatest marketing play ever, which is just like get people to talk about me, do something kind of cringy and ridiculous, and then whether they like you or not, they know, who, like, it's working right now. We're talking about him, but yeah, I, I guess in order to sell to folks, they they have to have. If you're selling on your personality, which I'm curious, have you thought about maybe putting your writing kind of front and center? Be like, hey, here's here are examples of people that are doing this. Here's how you get into this game, because I feel like that's that's always the um, the gap between like reading business books and like what I've referred to in the past is like the the mental masturbation of like reading business strategy books and then actually getting your hands dirty with with a business, which is, is way more difficult. So it's like, have, what are you going to do? I guess is the, the short question. 
So the next step when like this is kind of clearly the issue is provide more value up front. So that's right. why you end up driving people to like, you see people on Twitter doing it like a free email course. And then you drip over like seven days, some good valuable content. And then at the end of that, you have a call to action where it's like, and now buy my course. Yeah. And then hopefully you built up the credibility or the other thing people do is webinars. And so like once a week, you could have a webinar once a month. Um, and then over time, you could just record that webinar. So it looks like it's all live, but it's actually not. So uh, like these are tactics that we could actually use maybe for like selling people on selling to us. Yeah. So like you basically use ConvertKit, you have a lead magnet of like something like, you know, how much is your business worth? And then you drip them, you know, uh, lessons over a week. And then maybe at the end of it, they like us a lot more and want to engage on actually selling a business. I think you just came up with our new, our new top of funnel. This is great. Yeah. So. I, I've been <laughs> deep in the ConvertKit world. Uh, yeah. So like learning on YouTube and all that stuff. Like, so it's so much if you get all this like inbound, how do you actually capture people's emails? So you have to offer something value, of value. And right, like right. I was thinking, what's the value to, you know, these SaaS sellers. So something else that value, up. yeah, evaluation. I mean, so we did this with formulated when we were working on that last year around, uh, you know, an automation calculator, something where we could like get, get pay, people in to understand like what, but it really was a, you know, a lead qualifier for us as well. But, you know, ideally it, it can do both of those things, but I, I do feel like there's a bunch of great ideas around, you know, here's how to buy a business, but like, there are other subtopics, which are like, how do you manage employees? How do you hire VAs? How do you uh, do, do what we're, we're talking about right now? How do you you know build the top of funnel for your business? I mean, even just little short masterclasses that you give away for free. And then, yeah, leading up to like, hey, this is just one topic. You need to figure out how to buy the business. Because I think that's, yeah, that that's like, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, in terms of... Um, Going back to the paid acquisition piece of it, what what is the was the cost of acquisition just way way too high? Yeah, cost per click, costs you know, cost per a thousand views, all those are just really high. And you know, maybe the ads weren't great, and you can improve the ads. But if it's too far out of whack, like even the best ad isn't going to drop that cost down too much. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's funny you say that because it's like we ran into this with um, with Wixly a little bit, where you know, especially on Facebook, um, but you know, that it's a totally different business. It's kind of an anomaly. It's not really what I would call like a real Vern business in the sense that it's not a B2B software company. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a subscription candle business. So it's like not, you know, not within the, the same realm as, as the other activities we're doing, but still it's been a, a interesting barometer for what D2C or, or even like retail companies are, are doing online on, right now. You know, I, I was sharing with you before when we were talking about the the podcast is just, you know, the, the COVID bump that we, we saw and then the subsequent changes to Facebook advertising. I think this is indicative of what I'm hearing from a lot of sellers on Shopify or a lot of sellers on, you know, the, these e-commerce platforms that, you know, COVID was amazing, but this year was, was kind of a, you know, a fart in the wind. It was not the same revenue or the same velocity of like, Hey, all the malls and stores are closed. You got to buy something online. And the idea of even going out to a store is like life-threatening. That, that was really good for business, I think, for a lot of e-commerce sellers. And coming back to reality, it was just this like, you know, that that bump. But coupled with, I think, the, the Facebook 
um, in Instagram changes, especially for um, retailers, like huge shifts. And where that shifted us has been into Google where we're seeing good conversion and good ROI on spend, but not like great. Um, and also we're you know getting into TikTok. That's, yeah. that's actually where I think a lot of the, the flow is going. Yeah, that's something we I haven't tried. I I have this thing like I don't know if I want to be on camera. Like I don't know if I want to record TikToks or videos. Like I'm very comfortable with text and audio. It's like I don't know if I'm I want to be that guy. I'm picturing you doing like a dance to to buying a business. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Well, you're getting old. There you go. That's the uh, the first step. What is this? You know the, the stupid shit that kids are doing. But it I think for depending on what you're selling, you know you have to wonder like maybe LinkedIn is the, the place for you to, to play people that are, you know, yeah. job seekers, people that are, you know, maybe considering a career change, but also maybe considering purchasing a business people that, you know, uh, but I, I do like, I can't wait until there's an NDPE TikTok and you got like dance moves and that'll be sweet. Yeah. Maybe I could just hire like a kid uh, and just like, here, say these words that I've written on Twitter and <laughs> dance to them or something. <laughs> Pretend you are Colin. <laughs> There is somebody on, now that you say this, there is somebody on, that produces TikTok style videos. I don't know if they're posted to Twitter, but they're always on like the Fed statements. They're like dramatizing. It's a, it's a lady that does it. It's great. Um, yes. Uh, I, know I, I don't know what her name. You've seen those. Yeah, they're great. They're, the Fed's raising interest rates and she's talking about the economy and doing it in a very uh, TikTok narrative manner, which, you know, that might be it. But yeah, it, it would probably be better if it's like a 21 year old kid. Yeah, I, I think it is it. I'm just so reluctant to go down that path. So anyway, <laughs> I guess other topics you want to talk about. One thing I've been kind of caught up on. So I, I'm, it's okay saying these numbers because you know one of their investors said them. Um, so during ventures, Xavier and Sieva started this like holding company or like a permanent equity company. And they background as technologists, they raised $2 million. And from that, they've bought a bunch of businesses, like uh, internet service providers, pool manufacturing companies, a bunch of non-internet companies, and just bought a tremendous amount of cash flow for like 2 million bucks. And I think they're at they're like 25 to $50 million in revenue now that they bought off of this. So they're up like tremendous, you know, 10, 20 X from where they began. So we're buying up these software companies and they're expensive. If your goal is like cash flow to plow into other things, it's kind of a tough path. And so I've been looking at some physical businesses and I'm just kind of hung up on, is that a path I ever want to go down or not? Um, any thoughts yeah. on it? Yeah. My, my immediate reaction to that is like, well, what am I going to do there? Right. <laughs> like my, right. Like my, I can manage and operate, but like my, value proposition to Vern and to the businesses that we buy is a technical leader, building technical teams, working with technical products. If you were to remove that, it, it would, you know, be fine. I can still apply all the management and, you know, I think I could build teams of, you know, crews of painters and, you know, build a management layer in between. And, you know, I, I have enough operating experience in my 20 something years. I probably could do that probably could, could manage it, but I, I would wonder that's not really like probably not the best use of my time in terms of my experience. That's, that's where I'm at. But if you, you know, the, the attractive part is not, you know, is this the best use of your experience, but it's, these are cash flowing businesses and they're growing ideally, but 
in my mind, what we're talking about is people versus not people businesses. So that's what I hear when I think of non-software businesses. I think of like, I think of a landscaping business, which is awesome. I also think of like self-storage businesses. Those are, you know, not necessarily super people intensive, right? You got a manager or a crew of uh, folks that, that man a, an office. Um, so, you know, it kind of depends on what it is, but I am a strong believer. How do I put this? I'm a believer that like, there is no such thing as like a free lunch, right? This idea that you can't just plug yourself in and like people that b- want to buy a car wash to just collect quarters, people that want to, you know, own vending machines and just collect quarters. Like it never, it never works that way. It's either a shitty deal where you're not collecting as many quarters or the car wash is breaking and you need to know how to fix it. Otherwise you're going to be, you know, paying a lot to your, your car wash maintenance guy. That that's my non MBA perspective that it's going to come with some amount of brain damage, regardless of what it is, any business that's cash flowing, unless you are an absolute wizard at not even operating, but I think management and hiring, you've got to be really good at those two things. And that's, I think the only way that you can, um, insulate yourself from the brain damage of those businesses. And so therefore it then also depends like, where is it location and hiring good folks these days is, is challenging. So you, you, you may want to ideally be bringing your own people into it. People that you already have track record with and, and, you know, have, have worked with before. Yeah. So to the free lunch, I think it is, I mean, nothing's a free lunch, but so the issue is that in this like more main street businesses, not like strictly software, there's just a tremendous number of these baby boomers retiring with these nice cash flowing businesses that are too small for traditional private equity and aren't like venture or something. So the option is basically sell, which many of them end up failing to do or more likely just shutting down. So you could get these like crazy seller side financing things. The question there is how much experience do you need or like domain knowledge? So I think I could vet it to the point that I'm like, this is a good business to buy. The bigger thing is like, if I have to go do anything in person, like something has gone horribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So it's more of a discussion of like, can you hire like capable operators in all these businesses? And in so, theory, like I think we have to be able to, but it's definitely harder in a space that you haven't done before. There's a there's a company that I know does this for, you know, and I'm sure the, the model exists for a bunch of different domains, but I know it exists for self-storage businesses where they will come in, audit a an existing uh, facility, give you recommendations on what to do, and then they will manage it for you. They basically have a managed service and they're priced they know what the pricing is for that stuff. So they're able to price it to the point where it's like, they know what it would cost you to do it yourself. And they're competitive with that. It's, it does remove your ability, I think, to compete. Like, let's say you, you were to use like a service provider like that. Like you're not going to be getting the, you know, whatever the differentiator is in the space. So if you're finding a business where it's like, okay, the churn's really low, it's really sticky, like self-storage is the reason I'm, I'm kind of mentioning that. Yeah. Like the people don't generally leave, they die. They die and then they stay, stop paying their bills and then you auction off their stuff. That's how sticky that business seems to be. Um, sorry to be so morbid, but that <laughs> that's like literally the, the, the thing that strikes me about it is it's similar to SaaS business in that respect. But 
you know, it, it's, it does confuse me or, you know, depending on what the context is when you're relying on, you know, basically like fleets and crews and, you know, everyone has to operate whenever there's people involved, it's going to get messy and you need a babysitter, you need an adult in the room or you need multiple. And so you're going to, you know, I guess just forecasting for that, like getting great people on a management layer and executive team, great people that, you know, where there is a, a differentiator where it's like, yeah, you know, Johnny's turning 80 this year and wants to sell his, whatever, you know, his car washes. He's got a, a system, he's got a crew, he, you know, if you lose those people, if you lose that, that knowledge, could you come in and, and hire and build um, a similar thing that, that likely this was somebody's passion and put a lot of time into and invested in. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, which is striking striking me on these non-software business. Whereas I think on the software side, it's a much more known quantity of like, okay, there might be a team, they can be replaced. They're, they're, the roles in the, there's a much more like finite set of problems in my mind when it comes to software, which sounds opposite, I think, or counter to, to how most people think where it's like anything go wrong. But when it, it's just less people, it's, it's, that's the part that I, I get stuck with. So I guess if you found one of these cash flowing businesses, you know, it'd be great to, to kind of look at how much people, how much sort of people capital is, is involved in it. Yeah. So you'd want kind of an existing team. And then to me, it has to be for it to work for me would be, it has to be like hiring one to hire 10. Like I can't build out a team on top of it. I just have to find one CEO and hopefully you buy something with enough cash flow that you can incentivize someone. Uh, and it's their responsibility. Hopefully they're from the industry or they have to be and their, their responsibility to keep everything up and running and you know manage the team and they'd be incentivized to do so. But it's something I've been like really torn on. I've been kind of playing with it for the last couple of months and I built out like theses around different markets and I think they're all compelling. But it's like, I just don't know whether I want to go down that path or not of like a non-internet business. Yeah. I, what I hear when you say that is a single point of failure. So if that person who is generously paid and incentivized decides to quit or gets hit by a bus, you know, you have to have like layers insulating yourself because you're saying something has to have, has to have gone horribly wrong for me to be coming in and stepping in as CEO. So, but you know, that's, it's a very different, I know a lot of people that have, you know, either friends, clients over the years that have built those businesses themselves and, and then found a way to extract themselves, which is very difficult. Like it's, there's a grow phase, there's a build phase, and you, you finally get to a point where it's like, okay, you put in an executive team and, you know, you're going to go play golf or go boating on Wednesday, you know, wh whatever that is. And they want to move on to other things. And so it is possible to do. I just think it, it's going to come with a fair amount of, uh, brain damage again unless you you know maybe the thing to be thinking about is like and sorry got babies <laughs> in the background instead of uh like making a thesis around the business making a thesis around a team that you could whether it's you know they, they exist already or they're just templates of like people that could come in and you know and what those incentives would look like and then therefore what would the business have to look like in order to support that because i think there there are some Businesses, I, I don't think you'd be super upset about having to step in if you had to, right? If like worst came to worst, you had to step in and, and buy yourself 90 days to find a new CEO or 108, you know, whatever, 
whatever that time frame is to find either a CEO or a manager or an operator, whatever that might be. Like one business that I ran across to so my wife's interior designer, she puts, what they do is they'll send all the furniture to a receiving warehouse. And they had an issue with the receiving warehouse down in Florida that, you know, it was an old guy, exactly you say, he doesn't email, he won't answer his phone. They sent like a quarter million dollars of furniture to his factor, to his, his warehouse and they can't get a hold of them. They're freaking out. <laughs> uh, and so we sent actually my cousin down there to just go knock on his door and see what's going on. And he answered the door and, and got to talking to this guy and was like, so he doesn't own the building, but he's got a great cash flowing business. He's the only player in town and he wants to retire. And he's got like two guys that, you know, help him move stuff around on pallet jacks and, in a, you know, forklift. And he, despite of himself, has a really successful business. And so my cousin kind of was like, hey, would you ever be interested in selling something like this? And he's like, oh, man, I can't wait. Like, I'm going to I'm going to retire next year either. Just as you say, I'm either going to shut it down and walk away or, you know, if you can give me an, a minor upside, some seller side financing, I'm sure the guy would, would have snapped it up. But you've got to go scrub all of his <laughs> all of his reviews, which is I don't know how they ended up using them. All worked out well, but it's like there are tons of businesses like a receiving warehouse where it's like, you know, it's a pretty simple business. And if you did have to step in, like you could do it, you really, you could go down there, you can, you know, unlock the office and, you know, find a new manager within two to four weeks, train them and, and be back up and running. And that's where my mind goes, which is like, that's the worst case scenario. Ideally you would have, you know, built up layers and layers of protection around that. But that's where, like, if you look at the structure, I think there definitely is something to it. But I think the way to, like, if if we were to do it, let's say, and I'm involving myself in this, like, if you were to do this on, like, a scale similar to this fund you were talking about, where it's like, hey, you have a group of people, that's where you invest. You invest in this, like, general manager layer training where anybody could, could be able to be, like, a support person to come in and, and step in for an outgoing manager or something like that, or even just having like strong training programs to be able to, you know, prove from a proven track record basis, like, Hey, we can take somebody who's entry level within six months, make them a manager and like be able to train them up. And those are to me, the things I think if you invested in that, you could pick up these businesses and feel confident about, you know, not getting the phone call that so-and-so didn't show up to work and your customers are banging on the door, trying to get into their storage unit or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap, I think, in what you do, like the whole acquisition phase of it. And then it's like, can you build up that operating muscle or that like hiring muscle to the point that you're comfortable doing it? I, I don't know. I'm you know, conflicted about it, but I feel like it's also not that far away. Like it's certainly doable. Like sure, it would suck for times, but just like any acquisition is messier than you think. But the the payoff is definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you just have to think about it. The way I, I look at it is like the software currently makes us money. It's doing the thing. You invest in that upfront largely. You know, you build the machine and then it it's the machine that you know earns money while you sleep, versus you're generally making money on the performance of people. And it not may not necessarily be like a service business per se, like I'm saying, but it might be it's still reliant on a person. So it's the person in the front desk, you know, at the storage facility. It's the person you know, that's, you know, managing the the work crew or your, you know, people that are going in, in you know, ma maintaining lawns or a plumbing company, whatever it might be. But um, 
yeah, it's, it's hard for me to bridge the gap to like the thinking of the seller. Like they spent all that time probably working on things, but yeah, you, you probably could get it to a point where you, you don't need to be terribly involved. You find a great manager, but yeah, it, it, it's, I definitely oscillate between, yeah, that sounds easy. And yeah, that sounds insane pretty quick, pretty easily as I think <laughs> through what it is, but I still think like the government is, is putting, uh, putting that opportunity forward. The SBA 7A loans, which we talked about on prior podcasts are like, it's almost too attractive to, to pass up. That's the part of this is that you can get a cash flowing business. You can get a great rate on it and support it. And, and they're doing it intentionally because you're, you're just going to be creating jobs. That's like, you're going to take that cash flow, and instead of going in someone's pocket or going into your pocket, necessarily all of it, you're going to distribute it out to employees and, and build that employee base and hopefully grow that business and continue that process. Cause that's, that's the path of least resistance. And I think that's what the SBA is bought in on. Yeah, it has to exist because uh, the people buying the businesses don't have enough money to acquire them otherwise. And so the they just get shut down, which is you know, horrible for the economy if a bunch of small businesses yeah. are shutting down all the time. Um, anyway, I, I'll keep thinking about it. I'm not moving forward just yet, but it's something I, I think we'll keep discussing on the podcast as I you know, noodle on it at least. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, no. I mean, I, I have a couple of topics that I'd love to do a little bit more research on. I mean, this SBA conversation has been interesting. I think on the next podcast, I will come a little bit more informed, but I, I'm going to start, start doing some research into some of these programs around. So I'm in Ohio, recently moved to Ohio about a year ago, and I've heard these like rumors. And I think states have things like this. Like I know Hawaii had something similar, but like incentive programs for early stage businesses, which I really didn't think of our portfolio to fit that characteristic, but it, it might actually, I think it's based on revenue and revenue sizes, but you know, there's, I know there's a two for one matching investment program in Ohio. That's interesting that, you know, I, I don't know much about it, but I'd love to talk about that on future podcasts, maybe bring in a guest to talk about that. And I think that there's like a lot more resources. Like I didn't know about seven, a loans. Like those are yeah. well known now. It's like, I think there's a lot more to uncover in that space and it just ways to get started. Like, cause you know, as we look at our constraints, it's like, you know, on a business like that, sure. Would you do it without a seven, a loan? Probably not, you know, with the remainder, would you, you know, want to raise outside capital to, to grow it or, you know, whatever, like there's a lot, I think more options out there than, than we even are aware of. So that that's not what I want to talk about on this podcast, but in a future one, that's something I'm super interested on. Maybe we'll bring a guest on to chat about it. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about in the future. They had a similar program in Minnesota where they would give you like a good chunk of your money back. If you invested angel invested in startups, um, we can talk about it next time. My one last thing was, uh, so realizing that, um, distribution or like mindshare is so expensive in this space. You know, we've built some up, uh, mine through my Twitter and writing and stuff, but also through this podcast. And most of what we talk about is acquisitions. Um, so I had a question recently, like, are we creator focused? And it's like, not really anymore. So <laughs> I do wonder if we should rebrand around acquisitions, Acquis something yeah. or other. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't see myself starting a business from scratch ever again. I hope not to like, maybe it'll happen, but um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, it's funny. I went, I've spent a lot of time now that COVID is kind of lightening up, spending some time 
actually with people face to face. And and I just, I'm like a broken record. You know, whenever anybody asks me, would you do this? Would you do that? I'm like, I would find something in that space and buy it. I would not. So yeah, I think, I think I'm brainwashed. So it probably yeah. does have to be acquisitions. Uh, well, if you could think of any good names, we'll talk about it next week. I like alliteration, but those guys already have acquisitions anonymous. So we have to do something <laughs> else. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I got to check it out. Um, naming stuff is hard. I'll, I'll give it some thought, but that's, that's probably good enough for this week. Awesome. All right. Well, until next week, take care. Thanks for listening.